Hello, my name is Meg. Welcome to the Unedited Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. The goal of this podcast is to help you both develop and enjoy the habit of daily Bible reading and prayer. About 20 years ago, at a very low spot in my life, I was convicted to begin this simple discipline, and I looked up years down the road to see how God had used this habit to heal deep places in my heart and do incredible things in my life. So over the years, it's really become my greatest passion to help others get to know Jesus through His Word and through His presence. Through this podcast, I'm hoping to help you see the Word of God with fresh eyes, to learn to slow down with your Bible, and ultimately to fall in love with your Bible. So thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so incredibly glad to have you here. Today, we are going to talk about using the Lord's Prayer as a pattern for prayer. This is something that I use almost every single day, and not perfectly because I have a little bit of a crazy personality, and I try to be really orderly with things, but I'm not always naturally really orderly. But this has been a very big key in my own personal uh, relationship with Jesus and my own personal prayer time. And so I want to share it. I'm actually surprised that I haven't shared it prior to episode 64, but we're going to talk about it today. This is not original to me. This is something that our pastor Joseph Hanthorne has taught to our church many times over the years. And I'm actually going to link to a sermon titled The Model Prayer in the show notes. Please check that out. He will teach you about the model prayer much more eloquently than I can, but I do want to just share a simple outline. This is a great tip for your prayer life and for my prayer life. And we see in the Word of God that after Jesus' disciples had walked with him throughout his ministry, they didn't ask him to teach them anything else except, Lord, teach us to pray. And at their request, Jesus gives them what we often call the Lord's Prayer. And the Lord's Prayer is not something that we are just to recite back to him verbatim, which is often what we think of when we think of the Lord's Prayer. But this is rather really to be broken down as a pattern. And again, not original to me, but Pastor Hanthorne has taught our church that if you will spend a few minutes in each of these sections, five minutes in each of these sections, you'll pray for 30 minutes. If you spend 10 minutes in each of these sections, you're going to pray for an hour. It's broken down into six separate parts. And from the very famous Lord's Prayer that's recorded in Matthew 6, 9 to 13, this is the basic skeletal system of the Lord's Prayer. And again, as Jesus instructed his disciples to pray a pattern for their prayer lives, It opens with recognition and worship. Jesus taught us to pray, to begin by saying, Our Father, which art in heaven. We start from a position of relationship. He wants us to recognize that he is our Father, but also hallowed be thy name. That he's close, he's connected to us. It's very relational when we say, Our Father, which art in heaven. But also a reminder that he is in heaven and he is hallowed. He's high and he's holy. He's this great mixture of love and judgment. And this part of our prayer really calls our flesh and our mind to attention. We recognize that we are approaching the absolute most important person 
in the entire universe. So the first section is recognition and worship. Secondly, invitation and surrender. Jesus taught us to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And this is possibly the most important part of our prayer time. This is where we connect with God, where his grace is activated in our lives. This is where we give him the ability to direct our steps. We say, Lord, your will, not my will. I've said it on the podcast before, but I once heard Elizabeth Elliot say, the prayer of hell is my will be done. The prayer of heaven is thy will be done. And this is where we lay aside our motives, our agendas, our own plans, our own purposes, all the things that we desire in our natural fleshly minds. And we say, God, I'm giving this to you. You have your way in my life, in my world, just like you do in heaven. I want you to be the Lord. I want you to be the King. And we surrender to him. And all the power in our lives and in our prayer life flows from surrender. Surrender is so incredibly important. The third section of our prayer is petition and intercession. Jesus taught us to say, give us this day our daily bread. Just like manna in the Old Testament is daily bread in the New Testament. There has to be that fresh supply coming into our lives daily, asking him for daily provision on on all sorts of levels. He invites us to ask. He wants us to discuss every need and all of our desires with him. And this brings peace into our lives. This is where we say, God, this is what I need. This is what I desire. And I trust you. And I know that you are going to do what is best. We don't make demands of God, but we make requests and we make petitions. Just like with a king, if there was a king over a kingdom, a subject would not come in and make demands of that king. They may very humbly come and petition for something, but they would not make demands. And again, God invites us to ask, to say, give us this day our daily bread. The fourth section of this prayer is repentance and release. He taught us to say, forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. This is where we ask God to forgive our sins. And this is where we release others from the things that maybe we feel they have done against us. Or, or maybe they truly have done against us. This is very, very important. God cannot forgive us if we do not forgive others. And so this is an important part of our prayer. This is where we repent. Again, this is where we release others to the hands of God, refusing to hold anybody hostage or to take vengeance against anyone else. The fifth section of the Lord's Prayer, when it's broken down, is direction and protection. He said, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. We have got to constantly be praying that God will keep us sensitive to sin, keep our convictions strong, that we will see the snares, the pitfalls that may possibly come against us or open up before us that day. This is where we ask God to lead us, to help us walk in the spirit, to be protected by his spirit. And so again, that's the fifth section of the Lord's Prayer. The last section and the sixth section is worship and thanksgiving. He taught his disciples to pray, For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So he tells us to close with worship and thanksgiving. And this evidences faith and trust in God. And these are really two key attitudes of prayer. And so I just want to run through those again real quick. 
First, recognition and worship. Number two, invitation and surrender. Number three, petition and intercession. Number four, forgiveness and release. Number five, direction and protection. And number six, worship and thanksgiving. Again, I would encourage you to go listen to the sermon that I'm linking to in the show notes. It will go a lot more into depth in this and be very inspiring when it comes to prayer. And again, just a reminder, this is a pattern that Jesus set when he was asked how to pray. And this gives us a really an amazing outline for our prayers, a skeleton for our prayers, a structure for all of our words and our relationship with him to grow on. Today, I'm going to share a little journal entry called His Eye is on the Sparrow. This is unedited. I will tell you I wrote this yesterday and today. It's a very simple thought that God used to encourage me as it relates to a situation uh, that my family has been dealing with. And when I finished writing it, I I felt really prompted that I was supposed to share it. it. It feels a little personal to share, but I do feel that maybe it will be an encouragement to somebody who might hear it. And so today's, truly today's, unedited entry, His Eye is on the Sparrow. I was sitting here praying, so burdened for the situation, and a little sparrow hopped up, perfectly positioned in the center of the doorframe. He was so cute and tiny and plain, and I said, Jesus, I'm so glad you said sparrow. He said sparrow. Right in the middle of some very heavy teaching recorded in Matthew 10 and Luke 12, Jesus speaks one of the most comforting pieces of scripture. Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing, and one of them shall not fall to the ground without your father? But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear ye not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. Jesus appeals to his audience and points to the low monetary value of a sparrow. Sparrows are common, sparrows are small, sparrows are not strong or stunning in the bird world. There was nothing special about them. I did a little further reading on BibleResearch.com and read, The low financial value attached to the sparrows receives further support by the Edict on Maximum Prices that was set by Emperor Diocletian in 301 CE. This edict fixed the price for a number of things ranging from crops and seeds to part and whole animals, The sparrow is listed as being the cheapest bird that could be used for food, being set at 16 denarii for 10 birds. I don't think the point is exactly how much sparrows are worth or what exactly they are sold for in ancient biblical times, but rather that they are small and common and insignificant and not of monetary value, yet they are still cared for by our Father in heaven. He is high, yet he condescends to to see even the tiniest, seemingly most unimportant details of our world. He sees the sparrow that falls. Jesus said that not one of them falls without God taking knowledge and observing its tiny, weak frame. He then clarifies the detail his observation and care reaches. 
He numbers, he counts, he knows the total count of hairs on each human head. He observes down to the finest and most minute details of life. Each aspect observed and noted with tender care. As David wrote in Psalm 56, 8, Christian Standard Bible, You yourself have recorded my wanderings. And in New Living Translation, you keep track of my sorrows. The God of galaxies and oceans is the God of sparrows and numbered hairs. He is the God who records wanderings and sorrows, not just grand feats and human ingenuity. He is in the little, the weak, and the insignificant as much as he is in the display of supernatural resources and divine power. Jesus goes on to those gathered to hear him and emphatically says, Fear ye not, therefore. He commands them not to fear, because God sees the falling sparrow and counts the hairs on our heads. Then he carries on and states, You are of more value than many sparrows. If he sees the sparrows, I assure you he sees you. This little thought brought to mind the famous hymn, His Eye is on the Sparrow. Why should I feel discouraged? Why should the shadows come? Why should my heart be lonely and long for heaven and home? When Jesus is my portion, my constant friend is he. His eye is on the sparrow and I know he watches me. I sing because I'm happy. I sing because I'm free. For his eye is on the sparrow and I know he watches me. Let not your heart be troubled, his tender word I hear. And resting on his goodness, I lose my doubts and fears. Though by the path he leadeth, not one step I may see. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. Whenever I am tempted, whenever clouds arise, when songs give place to sighing, when hope within me dies, I draw the closer to him, from care he sets me free. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. Wow, this made me very curious about the origin of the song, for as I heard Mickey Mangan say yesterday, quoting Richard Smallwood, songs of pain seem to last. The sweet story behind this song brought great encouragement today. Sevilla Durfee Martin was born in Nova Scotia and died in Atlanta, Georgia. In his Eye is on the Sparrow, written in 1905, she has provided one of the most influential and often recorded gospel hymns of the 20th century. Martin was the daughter of James N. and Irene Harding Holden and was a school teacher with modest musical training. Together with her husband, Walter, they often wrote gospel songs for revival meetings. Sevilla Martin describes the context out of which the hymn was born. Early in the spring of 1905, my husband and I were sojourning in Elmira, New York. We contracted a deep friendship for a couple by the name of Mr. and Mrs. Doolittle, true saints of God. Mrs. Doolittle had been bedridden for nigh unto 20 years. Her husband was an incurable cripple who had to propel himself to and from his business in a wheelchair. Despite their afflictions, they lived happy Christian lives, bringing inspiration and comfort to all who knew them.
One day, while we were visiting with the Doolittles, my husband commented on their bright hopefulness and asked them for the secret of it. Mrs. Doolittle's response was simple. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. The beauty of this simple expression of boundless faith gripped my heart and fired the imagination of Dr. Martin and me. The hymn, His Eye is on the Sparrow, is the outcome of that experience. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. No matter what happens today, no matter what the details of my life that unfold around me, his eye is on the sparrow. No matter what perplexing circumstances may arise, he sees down to the teeniest, tiniest minutia. He observes with care and love. Nothing escapes his watchful gaze. I am of more value than many sparrows. I'm so glad you said sparrow. So today, just a very simple episode, a few tips on using the Lord's Prayer as a pattern for our prayers. Again, this is a really powerful tool in our lives given by Jesus himself, a skeleton for our prayers and our communication with him. And just a friendly reminder that wherever you are, Jesus sees you. His eye is on the sparrow and his eye is on you. He's observing, he's guiding, even when it doesn't seem like it. He's looking out for you. He loves you. He knows the exact number of hairs on your head. He's for you and he's with you. His eye is on the sparrow. Thank you so much for joining me for this journey. I look forward to meeting up with you again next Friday. If you have questions or to download a typed or a handwritten transcript of today's entry, you can visit meganedited.com. For now, go grab your journal and your Bible. I look forward to the power of this habit in your life. This is unedited. This is for you. Happy, happy, happy Friday.